What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out. And I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys. And they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well. And they're always rotating in new seasonal cocktails. So come through and check out what they've got on deck for fall and winter down there. The patio is now nice, covered, and heated and will be throughout the fall and winter. So come through and big thanks to Produce Row for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program. Once again, if this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast in just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. Can't stress the importance of leaving those reviews and what it does for the show. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe. Wherever you are listening from, tell a friend if you're digging what you're hearing. And check out the Spotify playlist that I've been putting out every first of the month. You can find the Spotify profile in the episode notes been having fun putting those together every month and trying to keep them pretty spread out genre wise but also just kind of a a glimpse into what i am listening to throughout the month and i will tell you that the february and march playlists the march one that i'm getting together and the february one that is currently out are definitely influenced by this tree fort music festival that is coming up in Boise, Idaho at the end of March, and I'm super excited to share this episode. I had the opportunity to chat with Eric Gilbert, who is one of the founders of the Tree Fort Music Festival there in Boise, Idaho. 
which is just this incredible multi-venue festival with over 500 artists and covers all genres and just a really great way to experience the city of Boise. I'm so excited to get back there in March and I went last year for the first time and it was a a pretty mind-blowing experience and brought my buddy Bird out there to help film and capture some content with me and he'll be back out there with me helping out. So we're pumped for Tree Fort 10. There are several artists on this year's lineup that I've had recent conversations with on the podcast, including Brother from Salt Lake City, who I'll feature a tune of theirs in the middle of the episode. They're a band I learned about from last year's Tree Fort and got to chat with them at the festival, as well as Tree Fort 9 returning at college level, who is based out of Boise. And I also recently had Joe Van on the podcast, who you might know from Indian Lakes. He's going to be out there doing uh, some solo tunes from his new record, Found in the Smoke. And uh, also Husbands was just on the show a few weeks ago. They're a killer band from Oklahoma City. And High Pulp is on the lineup. And they're always kind of a, a constant on the podcast here. My cousin Bobby plays in that band. And he's been a guest on the show several times. And is also the co-host of my I Dig Records series. So I'm stoked to see High Pulp out at Tree Ford as well. If you're new to the programming here, new episodes come out every Friday. Myself in conversation with artists of all genres and every other Tuesday. You can find that I Dig Record series in the feed. Earlier this week, I put out volume 35 of that, which is uh, Kazo and I chatting about Alanis Morissette's 1995 album, Jagged Little Pill, as well as that recent Jagged documentary that came out on HBO. Great doc, if you haven't seen it. If you are a Portland, Oregon local and you want to see some free live music, do not miss the Jeff Chilton Trio every first Thursday at Produce Row Cafe in Southeast Portland. They've got free music over there every Thursday night from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. And DJs are playing brunch over there. Brunch jams from noon to 2 every Sunday. And the links for Produce Row Cafe, North 45, Distro Kid, all the sponsors will be in the episode notes, you can keep up with those folks who uh, continue to support the show. Super grateful for them. And with all that, we are going to get into this thing. Big thanks to Eric Gilbert for chatting with me. I have so much admiration for what him and the, the team have built over there in Boise with this festival. And I just feel super lucky to be one of the people out there covering the fest. So big thanks to him and the rest of the Tree Fort press crew and staff and volunteers for making this festival what it is. Uh, Get your Tree Fort passes now and come say what's up if you're out there. This was uh, such a cool chat with Eric, just getting to learn his background and kind of getting to hear about how this music festival has evolved over time and the effect that it has had on the, the art culture of Boise, Idaho. I'll include all of the links for the artists featured throughout the episode in the notes. I'll also put my email there. Send me your emails. I want to hear from you. It's dancablepresents at gmail.com. Hope everybody is doing well out there. And we are going to kick off episode 296. Crazy. We're creeping up on 300. It's pretty wild. But uh, we're going to get in to this one with a track called Never Let You Down from Geographer off his most recent album called Down and Out in the Garden of Earthly Delights. I had him on the podcast last year, episode 282. If you want to tap in to my in-depth chat with him, it was one of my favorite conversations from last year. And is uh, he is another great artist that I'm looking forward to seeing out at Tree Fort this year and uh here is episode 296 with eric gilbert let's do the damn thing i wish you would come over again so i could kiss you hold you in my hands can i miss you or do you just want to ride a sedan in the chair 
Excited to to chat with you, man. I got to go to my first ever tree fort last year, and nice. I moved to Portland in 2013. And right around the time, I guess, tree fort was getting going, and I became ingrained in the Portland music scene in the you know the years that i i spent there and i just kept hearing all of these great things about the tree fort music festival and how i had to get myself out there and the the deeper i got into the the portland scene the more bands i knew that were going out there and it just seemed like it was this really great party and cool hang and i will tell you that it did not disappoint and it met all of the hype and i know i i went during an interesting year, Tree Fort Nine, the the pandemic Tree Fort. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was just it was everything that I heard that it was, and I just had an amazing time out there, and I was just super excited to finally finally make it out there. So that's so awesome. Glad 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 you made it. It was definitely a unique one, but it still had that uh, kind of the core of the spirit of it. Yeah, sure. and I. I've personally felt incredibly comfortable and I just thought everybody did such a, a great job putting that together within those circumstances and just making sure that guidelines were met and maybe going the extra mile to, you know, have all those precautions in place so folks could feel comfortable in those big of crowds because that was definitely my first experience of seeing music in in that sort of uh capacity yeah one thing i think is was kind of telling with that you know so much of tree fort is there's so many people involved in it you know it's like there's lots there's obviously a lot of bands there's a lot of volunteers a lot of community partners so everyone is sort of a little more actively involved as opposed to you know a kind of different style of festival is a lot more passive involvement for folks so you really saw that like manifest itself in september with the fact that everyone really just like just all we did is ask a lot to wear masks and everyone was doing it. Like everyone felt on the same team, right? There wasn't like one spot or anything. And so I think that's just a testament to the, and that's kind of what is core of the spirit of tree fort is it's a very, yeah, like I said, kind of an active thing where everyone's kind of involved, <laughs> you know, and, and that makes it more of a community collaboration as opposed to just a typical show, I guess. So, yeah, yeah. it was, it was nice to see that it didn't seem like there was this, uh, this constant battle of, of staff at venues trying to have to get people to put their masks on and, and whatnot like that. So I think one of the, the, our favorite anecdotes from that is there was somebody was crowd surfing at El Cora shrine and mid crowd surf was trying to put his mask like back on. (laughs) That's that's how committed people were. It was awesome. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, I definitely want to, you know, dive into, to tree fort 10 a bit Eric but I would love to just know what your your background is and and what you were doing before getting involved with starting Tree Fort. Yeah, I mean most immediately before starting Tree Fort I was um touring a lot and playing in a band called Finn Riggins that was based out of Idaho but actually was on the Portland label 10 Love Empire so we spent yeah. a lot of time in Portland actually and so um including playing like Music Fest Northwest back when it was a multi-venue festival pre-Tree Fort and similar festivals around the country like the UMS in Den- Denver, CMJ in New York City and South by Southwest. And so, yeah, I was actively touring as part of the DIY community and also just, you know, actively, you know, involved in the local music scene here and, you know, trying to build a scene for ourselves here. So that's kind of what led me naturally to a interest in helping start something like this in Boise. I kind of felt like it would resonate well here, both. And the, I think the community really need, needed it at the time. And 
yeah, so that's kind of like most relevant pieces of my background. Yeah. I guess. Were you yeah. always uh, the type of person if you had an idea to do something that you were going to figure out how to put that in motion or at least surround yourself with the type of people that were going to cultivate that? Yeah, tend to be. I mean, even with the band, like we, even before meeting Tender Love Empire, like I was actively booking tours for us, very much DIY spirit. So I was the one kind of managing and booking tours all over the country. And, and then, yeah, we were already running this sort of with my band, uh, like a, it was called Ranch Fest is like this. Uh, and there were some Portland bands that came out to it every year too. It was basically on this, uh, I think it's 40 acres, just kind of in the middle of nowhere. Idaho is kind of a, a, it kind of grew into a glorified house show like where a thousand people would show up we had like 30 bands so yeah kind of naturally was pretty yeah i always want was creating things you know and was interested and if if there was a gap trying to fill if i thought that there was something that needed to happen so yeah definitely in my blood (laughs) what was the boise music scene like prior to tree fort starting because i would imagine that tree fort for as long as it's gone on has really brought about that interest in the city and i would imagine just kind of increases people's uh, urge to maybe create spaces to to have music and and more art happening within the city yeah it was really i would say kind of mixed in some ways voice music scene is and still is is it's kind of a really beautiful scene in the sense that a lot of people just kind of make art and music for for just the sake of, you know art for art's sake right there's it's not industry driven which you know which comes with that is there's no lack of access to the industry. And so those that decide they want to try to make it more of something usually historically would have to leave here, you know? And so, you know, and, and not a lot. So thus people would just jump to moving somewhere as opposed to trying to tour out of here. Right. And then uh, similar layers, like there's just no visibility. There's actually a lot of creative music happening here, but not a lot of visibility to it. And I've shared an anecdote quite a bit on tour in 2010, a, a reporter in Michigan asked my band, um, uh, what it was like coming from a mu- musically devoid state like Idaho. And it was just, it was, this is an, I mean, a hilarious question on one, but like, just cause they don't know about it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Right. right. So, um, so, but that was frustrating for times of the scene, right. It was hard for people to feel like uh, it was worth putting that much energy in, in, into it. And similarly, like touring bands like stopping here, but it's right on touring pass. So a lot of people would stop, a lot of people just take days off here, but you know, basically the market wasn't, wasn't well um primed for more unknown acts right and so there wasn't the most of the radio all the radio at the time was like mainstream radio so it was just hard you know and that was right when like the sort of blog wave was happening and then so basically in 2011 community radio radio boise went, went on air for the first time we didn't have an independent radio station here since the 80s and so combined with that and like youth youth lagoon i don't know if you remember that band yeah. that they kind of blew up in the blogosphere from from here and it's sort of like all the you know and then we started the festival there's like this moment in time there where there was like sparked you know it was actually and it was post recession right so pe- people were a little more incentivized and they stay at home and create something here so so since then now yeah i think and touring from here too it was like we were such an exotic creature you're like you're from idaho like what what is even that <laughs> you know and like but now it's like now Boise bands can legitimately go out and tour and people are like, Oh, cool. You're, you're, you're from Boise. That's yeah. I heard great things. But before there was nothing to hear about that. Yeah. Other than built a spill basically, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is a good flag for us to have, but it was limited to that. Right. What do you uh, remember about maybe some of those initial ideas or conversations that happen around starting the festival in this form and having it in downtown Boise and really like making the city a part of it? Yeah, initially, so I got approached by Lori Shandro and at her time, uh, Drew Larona, who's one of the co-founders, was working with her too, and they were. They, they were from outside the music scene, but we're, you know, at the time we're getting excited about music. Radio Boise was getting them excited and they were curious about trying to help start a music venue with no experience. And that led them to me. And I sort of countered with like, Hey, what about this multi venue festival idea? Cause to be honest, like at the time I, I came really from that DIY spirit of like, you go on tour and then you, when you come home, you host your friends who are then on tour. Right. And so I was doing that a lot. And so for me, it was really like I'd been playing at these other festivals and it'd be cool to host, right. And bring people to our town, both because I think that's good for our scene and stuff. So the initial conversations 
weren't too active with the city. It was really like, and it still has that spirit, but it was really kind of a DIY approach. We, you know, we had to jump through some city hoops, but I don't think they really knew what we were doing. Neither did we really. And it grew more than we imagined. So, but it was really just born out of, so for me, the initial ask from like talent was basically like, we know, I know you want Boise to better be a better tour stop. Like I toured out East and everything's so much closer. Right. So we're, we're starting a thing and, and do you want to come play it? Let's help you build this market for you. And then it was also a lot of asks of friends, touring friends. Cause, um, and it was pretty easy ask of a lot of them. And then obviously Portland, because I was so active in the Portland scene at that time was a big part of that too. You know, bands like Ty- Typhoon and AU and, um, I'm sure Jared Meese and the grown children. And there was a bunch of Portland bands that we were close with that played that first year too. So yeah, in some ways kind of weirdly easy um, because I, I, we were throwing random weird parties and shows all the time. It just kind of grew in scope pretty fast. But So what did it, what did that first tree fort look like as far as venue participation and stages was, was there just the main stage or did that even exist so originally the idea so when i originally pitched this to like laurie and drew and we started talking about it, i was like let's do you know let's do a three-day festival with like 60 bands and a pretty modest main stage in, in the linden building parking lot for those that are familiar with that relatively small parking lot so more of a block party vibe but when we announced the first couple of bands we only all we did, i think we announced why of montreal built spill and maybe one other and it was just like at the time, especially why enough Montreal had never been here and there was big enough fan base mm. for them. And it just, it just instantly was like something really fresh for people and interest grew pretty fast. Oh, and to clarify, we were also talking to multiple, like a few venues, like I think 10 venues in that first year. Like one of the first conversations was with uh, Alan at the Neurolux because he's just like the, the, the like cornerstone of independent music here. And, you know, with all the venues, it was a pretty easy conversation because it's a relatively dead time of year for them. So they're just like, yeah, if you can help, if things will be better than they normally are. Sure. <laughs> um, but then by about this time, I guess in Jan- January of 2012, leading up to the festival, we realized it was growing more than we thought. So we were we were still scrambling to figure out where the main stage was going to be. And it's not far from where, you know, Millen Building is now, but uh, we were able to secure the, the parking lot that the, our main stage is in now um which was increased capacity so it's been the same spot and then so that first year i think it ended up being it ended up landing on being it was still four i know it ended up being four days and and 170 bands and about 10 venues now we're at like over 500 bands five (laughs) days over 25 music stages and all these like 11 other forts and yeah it's definitely like we'll say blossomed yeah (laughs) So yeah. do you, do you know how, um, any ballpark numbers on how many people came through that, that first year? There's a real, like, um, I sort of, I was, uh, yeah, it's kind of an iconic photo for us of the, the very first band to play was my band. Cause we were sort of like, who am I going to throw to the wolves? And I was like, well, I mean, it just made natural sense from my vantage point. Like we'll play first, <laughs> you know, <It's> like, <laughs> we're, we're the hosts. We'll, we'll play first. And leading up to the festival, past sales were actually pretty, pretty, pretty low. And like, you know, we were definitely concerned, but just kind of like having faith. And um, luckily the weather that first year was was really nice. And so that led to, a, like, I just remember we played at like five o'clock, I mean, it was six o'clock on a Thursday at Neuralux, which is usually empty, right? And I just remember we, we got on stage and the, the place just filled up. And that was like the moment that we are like, oh, wow, this is going to work. And all, you know, through that weekend, it just like word of mouth, I think locally grew a lot because it was nice enough. So people were just coming down and it, it sort of, so it wasn't until it started that we had any sense it was actually going to work, I guess, to answer your question. Yeah. It was, uh, it was really cool showing up there in Boise. I had only stopped through one time on a tour with the band and we just kind of ate we didn't even have a show there we were just we just kind of stopped and ate in boise and you know walked around downtown and we're on our way and but coming through this time for tree fort it was it was very cool just walking around downtown and seeing how many local businesses that didn't doesn't you know have no association to the arts maybe a bank you know and repping the tree fort flags and and things like that i felt like made it a very warm welcoming environment or even walking in the trader joe's downtown to grab some groceries while i was there and and the clerks 
talking to me about, Oh, what, what bands are you excited to see? I'll, you know, I'll be over here tonight. You know, there just seems to be a lot of excitement amongst the, the people that actually live there, which is very cool. Yeah. We're the most, we're the most isolated metropolitan area in the lower 48 states. So I like to joke. It is, it feels a little bit like, especially during that time when people come to town, but we're all, it's almost like Stepford Wivesy. We're all like, <laughs> Oh, we're so excited to see you. Welcome to our town. You know, it's like, <laughs> but it's, it's a really big part of why Tree Treefort special, right? It's not the event itself as much as it is just this community is pretty special in, in general. It's kind of a small town, big, it's, or it's a small city, big town sort of vibe. So um, it's a growing city, but that community involvement and it has benefited that's the thing by being downtown as opposed to you know when a festival is just in a big field somewhere there's very few people that are benefiting from it i mean a lot of people benefit i don't i'm not discounting that but when you're downtown all these businesses are intertwined with the traffic and a lot of people that aren't directly involved are are getting new faces in and they're you know they're selling things and like i said a lot of them are involved so it does just feel like everyone's involved and yeah it's pretty it's pretty it's it's a cool thing yeah and it's obviously great for them to have that tourism because i would imagine a lot of the people like myself are coming to this festival now from out of town especially as it gains more traction and the lineups that you all continue to put together each year seem to just get bigger and better and just imagine that more and more folks are finding out about tree fort from all over the states if not outside yep to to come yeah. and attend so how do you tackle that sort of growth of the festival has that mm-hmm. been like the biggest challenge of it yeah partially yeah one of the things we've said every year is like cuz you know the first years in particular had such a magic to it like how can we maintain that sort of purity and that magic and and um and not grow too fast. Right. And one of the ways is like, I mean, we don't, we, we do have great names on the lineup and it's, you know, but we're not actively trying to book like giant headliners. Like ideally people are coming for the whole lineup more so than like one, one large name or something. And that, that kind of leads to some of the culture of it. Um, Yeah. And then it is tricky, especially as the city itself is growing, it's really, you know, and we're growing too, like surface level parking lots in downtown Boise are going away, you know, so we're going to have to transform with it. And, um, but one of the challenges I know that I feel most closely to is like tree fort is a little bit more than just a festival for people to attend. It's, it's a, it's very important for us to be inclusive of a lot of different styles of music, but also a lot of the locals and the regional acts. It's really, it's about building a music scene a little bit more. And, and so as we grow and as more people get involved, we it's, that's why one thing the band lineup keeps blooming because we don't want to be discouraging is how I feel about it. So, you know, we're always trying to find ways to include more ideas and people, but how do you do, do that in a way that works for the team and doesn't stretch everyone too thin. And so it's a, it's a challenge, but um, yeah, interestingly, the pandemic, the break in the pandemic as that was its own challenge, but it also gave us time to sort of like think about our, our structure a little bit more. And I feel like the team is stronger than it's ever been coming back from it. Cause we, before that we were just in the midst of constant doing it and most of the most of the team is just seasonal and it was just really hard to um to ever work on the system because we all there was no master plan to this right we just, just tried to start do one of them and it's just yeah. been going since and so yeah it's been an interesting challenge but it feels good yeah it seems like that's probably one of those things where it feels like you're never able to catch up on anything and once yeah. one ends you're already planning the next so i would imagine is yeah. As shitty as that the the pandemic break was, I would imagine that that was helpful in you know recharging things or just being able to sit back yeah. and and see how to make mm-hmm. things better or figure figure things out differently. Yeah, I think one thing that I think the pandemic function for a lot of hum- humans in general was you either chose to recommit yourself to what was important to you, to you or you changed uh, changed direction. So the nice thing coming out of that and still being committed to it. You don't feel like it, none of us are doing it because we have to. We're doing it because we want to. And it was a good reminder that that's why we're doing it. You know. So. Yeah, man. It was a, It was definitely one of those things where when I showed up, I just had mm-hmm. one of those one of those moments where I was just very grateful to be where I was at and excited what I was doing with my my life in that moment. I guess you know, it was just like 
I just came to Boise and this is this very cool festival and it was also my first one of my I guess my first bigger festival in which it is set up with a bunch of different venues opposed to you know just a few stages on the same premises and it was also really great for the reasons you were talking about as far as managing that growth is is about you know not necessarily just stacking it out with all of these headliners that people know and that's my my favorite music festival to go to is when i leave there not knowing who half the bands were but leaving now with a bunch of new favorite bands and and similar to the feeling that i get every year that i go to a -a pickathon or something up here in the Mm -hmm. the portland area you know it's it's not about those those names that you knew before yeah definitely i've been to pickathon a a few times and i love that festival too for similar reasons right yeah always just trust the curation and it's exciting to see new new music absolutely so what is your uh your day-to-day roles in in tree fort 10 and have those you know evolved and changed over time do you still have like some a lot of uh hands-on with the curation of the festival yeah i'm still that's my, one of my biggest jobs with with it and then working with the artist community on the broader curation of um but i do most of the talent buying and, and stuff so and right now i'm in the middle of the scheduling piece which is I, for those that like puzzles, it's the, one of the ultimate puzzles and I like it, but I also, it's, it tortures me in the heat of it. So <laughs> it's just hard. It's just such a, yeah, I, I take it very seriously, which like I said it's fun and it's really nice when it comes together and it's close to being done this year. So that's exciting. But so I do a lot of that. And then, yeah, my other role is, yeah, just helping lead, lead the team and support the rest of the, um, the crew. So I kind of wear you know, two relatively similar hats, but, um, yeah, very busy and, but, I love it a lot and I'm just thankful to be able to do this kind of work. And um, yeah, one of the things cool, it's like a lot of the people that work uh, with us essentially, not necessarily for us, but with us, they're all creative. Most of them are creatives in their own right. And they're doing other, their own, you know, so for me, it's all part of this sort of core of sort of artist advocacy and just helping support the creative community. And, and, you know, for the, so the team, the festival team is a lot of people that we're one of their footholds to allow them to maybe do other creative outlets um you know so instead of having you know a lot of us are gig gig workers essentially and so it's pretty cool collaborative spirit around the team itself not dissimilar to all the bands and talent that we work with so yeah yeah for sure um how quickly was it that it shifted from only music programming to kind of branching out to these different forts where there's you know Mm -hmm. some kid-friendly focus and the comedy Mm -hmm. fort was something i really enjoyed when i was there in september yeah that happened real quick it happened the first year in the sense that um david roberts who helped start ale fort reached out and that was kind of obviously a, a relatively natural fit with beer and and music so the first year ale fort was our was the first fort that kind of existed and that essentially you know was a beer tasting tent and it's really expanded since but then then the second year, I think both the, the, the women that started Yoga Ford and then Christian Wynn, who started Story Ford, reached out. And I think that first year, Chris, Christian Wynn was serving pizza slices at the main stage and he was in, involved in the literary scene here. And so then he reached out after he's like, hey, what if we did something similar, but with like the literary community? And so, you know, those next few years and then and then the tech community reached out and was like, hey, we need this for you know, this is amazing. This is the kind of thing we need for a talent attraction in their world mm-hmm. too, because we want to move somewhere where there's culture. And so I was like, well, let's have a conversation on how to represent that more tangibly. And so point being is all those forts are, weren't like sort of top down decisions. They were more like from people within those niches in the community reached out and wanted to. And so our answer always like, that's a great idea. Do you guys want to lead it? Cause yeah. <laughs> and so, right. um, so then I think, you know, after like the fourth or fifth year, we started realizing we needed to probably start saying no to more forts. And so we're trying to manage that because we get pitched on new fort ideas a lot. But it's such an important piece of the fabric of what Tree, Tree Fort is now. It really, it helps create all these collaborative mo- mo- moments across silos. You know, a lot of us tend to just be into what we're into. Sometimes that can be just just like music, right? Like maybe I'm just into metal music and I only go to, to, to metal shows. But an event like Tree Fort, you might stumble into a bluegrass show and be like, 
these guys are shredders. Absolutely. Like I, like I like this too, you know, and, but I had no idea. And similarly, like you, we, we do a lot of collaborations between the forts where like, you know, with like film fort, it makes, there's a lot of natural collaboration with some of the music, but also with some of the other niches. So it, it creates this year round cool collaboration, but then also I think for people attending, like, like you said, you probably dropped into things that you might not have otherwise tried. And that's part of the experience yeah or even just having you know the radio boise stage kind of set up just on the street i think is rad just for when you're walking by and you might just see a band that you've never heard before and you know it makes it easy for you to to want to stop and and check it out for a few minutes too when it's standing right in front of you and i thought i thought a lot of the the outdoor spaces were a lot of fun you know things that are just you know, tucked away in a little courtyard or, or something outside of a, an office building and things like that. Yeah. That's one of the interesting things with a festival like tree burn. You obviously get it and love it. But when people are like, I don't know any of these bands, I, I must not be cool enough or I must not know enough. And I was like, no, nobody knows most of the bands. <laughs> like that's not the point is we're not trying to prove something to you that you don't know anything. You know, that's actually the opposite. We're trying to help introduce you to new, new things. So just come down you know, and that's one that I do like about seeing these outdoor stages are open and free to the public. So it's a great way for people to just kind of try it and then decide like, oh, wait, maybe this is for me. I like this music. So, yeah. yeah. Give people that are uh, just live within the community that aren't actually thinking about showing up and then it's yeah. right in front of their face and gives them a reason to, I would assume. Yeah, well, that's one of the things like, you know, a town like Port- Portland's a little more adept to this or even some of the bigger cities. Like it used to be a thing, especially those that are active in the music community. We would go see bands we'd never heard of. Right. We were curious. There wasn't that level of curiosity, I felt like, in Boise pre-Treefort. But that that's one thing that I'm really, I guess, most proud of with Treefort is it has kind of instilled that curiosity that there's something worth doing to go see a band you haven't you haven't heard of. Right. And so Yeah. And I would also imagine for the bands that are coming through from other cities, it's just nice for them when they return to Boise that they have uh, they have played this festival and maybe a few local people did catch their show the first time around, or at least they can they can kind of fly that that tree fort flag coming well, into it. Yeah, it definitely helps a lot, and I think at this point too, it like some artists, especially, it's it's almost like a gateway into just the Northwest music scene at large because there's so much of the Northwest music scene that's here at the time both press and bands and stuff that it's a great way for people who haven't toured out here to make make a bunch of connections really quickly Hey everybody, just wanted to take a quick minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall with over 200 bottles. Mussels and Fritz are on the menu, their cheeseburger is lights out, and they've always got some killer weekly specials as well. Aside from the menu items and beverages, they've got this awesome covered patio that is heated throughout the fall and winter with a bunch of big screens to watch all your favorite sports. And the best part is they have DJs playing tunes there every Tuesday night from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. and Sundays 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. So come through North 45 Pub for some tunes and some food. Let's get back to the episode. I'm curious to know what has maybe been the hardest responsibility that you've had in the past to maybe let go of not, not assuming that you're, you're someone that is a control freak or anything, but I would imagine that, you know, starting the festival from the the ground up or having as much hands-on as you've had over the years, there's maybe got to be some things that are a little hard to turn over. I think the hardest thing to let go of, and I'm getting better at it over time, but you know, it's just like, I'm such a I'm such a relationship person, and this business is such a relationship person. So when we started this, it was a lot of direct conversations with a lot of local partners, and it's just weird when there's someone else having that conversation, and you might not talk to them for like a year, and then all of a sudden you hear something went side side sideways, and it's just you know it's a lot of his relationship management. It's obviously a lot easier when it's direct, but um, but it's also a good exercise in just trusting a team and 
And we have a great team that does that sort of stuff. So I think that's probably the most challenging thing to let go of. Uh, obviously, I'm not letting go of the scheduling and the full curation part. So apparently that's maybe the hardest part for me to let go. Of. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's also got to be like the most fun part, too. In it some kind ways, of is. It's what I, that's, yeah, it's <laughs> at the core of what I love about it. So. Um, but I think other than that, yeah, gotten better at letting go. Not too much of a control freak, but I, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, maybe. Is it uh, every everyone I talk to, the whether it be an attendee or someone like myself that got to be a part of the the press crew or the the artists that were there seemed like they were very well taken care of and felt like they were you know very seen by the mm-hmm. staff and whatnot for and were yeah they were appreciated for for being there so. How do you, uh, I don't know, how do you create that? And or with, with so many people being there, how do you take care of artists so well and, and manage all of that? I mean, it's a, it's a testament to the community and the team at large and also just the core of how we started. I mean, this is, it, like I said, from the beginning, it was all about being hosts, right? So I think we all sort of hold that spirit that we're playing host and um, trying to be good, good hosts. And I, I do love that the whole team takes us on it and it's not just being good host to the headliners, you know, it's like treating all of the attendees and artists um, as equally as, as, as we can. So I just think the whole team just gets such a joy out of it too. And it's just cool how well that trans translates throughout our volunteer teams and everything like that. So um, there's no, yeah, there's no like um, doctrine that we spread around and tell everyone that this is how it must be done. It just sort of is ingrained in us at this point to a degree. Yeah. But yeah. It's sort of like we all, those of us that help lead, lead it through our best to lead by example. And that kind of carries forward, but. I'd also imagine it goes back to just everybody that's involved wants to be there. Nobody, you know, no one's being handcuffed to participate in whether they're volunteering or have a leadership role. Totally. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, it's an interesting, it's a complex conversation in this regard, but like, you know, we do pay pe- people to work for us. We pay pe- people to play on stages, but everyone is in most cases are taking a pay cut to be involved in it, you know, because they see the bigger picture and, um, be, be, and I'm <laughs> not, I think the, what the spirit thus within that is people, like you said, are here because they want to be in there. It's, it's a passion pro- project for most of the people in involved in it. For the bands, it's a different type of opportunity for for them, and you know we're fair-minded, but it's not where everyone comes to get their biggest pay, paycheck. Yeah, every right, and so yeah, they're here for other reasons, and thus we're all committed to making sure those other reasons stay stay there. If it's not fun, if it doesn't feel good, then all those things aren't worth it. And it's also not a big money maker for us, so no one's in it for that. And that, yeah. it's weird how much that changes the perspective everyone has, you know. So. And yeah, and when at its core there's a bunch of creatives or artists themselves putting the thing together there that seems to you know breed some sort of mentality to take care of people rather than some big conglomerate coming in to set up this this music festival because they see dollars in it yep exactly yeah it's funny how that stuff is maybe obvious but it's also real subtle like how much that changes the culture of how something is done you know and so seen it on the flip side. So I know what the flip side looks like too. So as the festival has grown, has the, the city just gotten more and more involved and has that made it easier or more difficult or a little bit of both? Yeah, maybe a little bit of both, but I think they, the nice thing is I think they we're good partners and we're good like neighbors in general. So I think, they see that and they want to work, work with us. And there's, there's challenges, but I mean, I think they get it. Part of being a city leader is getting a bunch of different moving pieces to work to together. And um, I'm grateful that they recognize the value in it. I mean, I think it was 2014, the mayor's office named us the cultural ambassador for the city of Boise. And I think that really shifted, you know, their mentality and ours too. I thought it was, I, I tried to put my hat on of not being, that person, which I thought was cool, but I was also like, what a cool thing for a city to point out that a rock and roll festival is a good cultural ambassador. Cause a lot of cities would like, like, you know, and no offense to the ballet and the Philharmonic and things like that, but those are more natural areas they would go. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a, 
that's amazing man i'm i'm so excited to get back there in march and see some music and i think that you know there's always something cool about going back to a festival maybe for the second time when you feel like you have your your feet under you a little bit more and kind of know how things work so i'm excited to to get back out there and record a bunch of interviews with artists um is there is there anybody in particular that you're super stoked about this year that you've been maybe trying to get on the festival for a while um wow yeah it's usually a long list but i'll start with a couple come to mind i'm really excited about atakak um i don't know if you're familiar with him but his story is really interesting i'm pretty sure from ghana i hope i didn't get that wrong but he was supposed to play in 2020 and then got postponed and it was kind of one of his first times at the states he's a really interesting project i'm excited about that um i'm a longtime fan of like sonic youth so i'm excited kim gordon is part yeah. of it and i like her new solo stuff it's really cool and she just feels like the matriarch of of cool rock and roll to, absolutely to me and so <laughs> that to me is just feels and i love too it's like bookend the way our main stage is gonna be bookend is like snail mail's gonna headline the first night and then she's gonna headline this, the, the last night and i think just the generational like kind of transition there a little bit is interesting to to me that band which i mean i'm kind of excited about uh, that i'm really excited about them just as their the zamrock scene stuff and kind of baffling that they're going to be here but long time fan of Light, lightning bolt and i'm excited they're 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 supposed to play in 2022 and got postponed so um i don't know i could go on that band vanishing twin and have you got into them yet i have not i they're on my on my tree fort playlist though <laughs> yeah exactly i i i'm really i think their live show i'm really intrigued by their live show uh, i love their recordings and so that's one another one yeah that's always my my favorite thing to do of going through the lineup is you know yeah. finding the thing that's the weirdest because you know it's going to be the yeah. craziest live performance <laughs> i'm trying totally. to trying to go see that yeah and i do that's one thing I, I do love like we do book some weird stuff which is fun and i like because i like that kind of music and um i was gonna say too there's a, i'm really excited about the next wave of Boise music here there's a cool new resurgence of just like the scene that's been here for a while but there's the new wave of young bands really good so maybe marissa and i can get you a list of those to to check out because uh, yeah, I think there's just a cool new wave of Boise music that's on the horizon. And a lot of them are playing Tree Fort for the first time. And a lot of them, there's like these young group of bands during the pandemic that just started throwing the DIY shows under the bridge and in backyards and stuff. And uh, most of them like in high school or early college. And um, it's just cool that kind of take, I, I, I think the DIY scene is super important to the ecosystem of, of a music scene. And I love seeing these kids take, take, matters in their own hands that's where i come from too is like i didn't wait for someone to invite me to play a show i just went and created shows yeah you know? and so so i just love seeing that spirit here it's yeah great. and i'd imagine it's important to reserve like a percentage of the uh the spots on the lineup for those local boise bands to make sure that representation is there yeah i think like i said we're definitely gonna be over 500 bands this year we'll be adding a few more of the schedule next week and i think we're probably around 180 lo- locals which is only about half that applied, which is hard to leave locals on the sidelines, but I think it's important to draw a line. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But that's a pretty good chunk of bands. And yeah, it is very important because for me, it's it's more important for me for them to have the experience than for people to see, see them. It's more important for me that they're showing up and seeing all this talent and taking part in it and just learning how to be a professional band a little bit, right? And it's just sort of a learning experience for a lot of locals that historically wasn't available here in a, in a, in Boise so absolutely was the was the skate park there before the festival started there was a skate park there but it wasn't as nice as it is now but we did use it er early on um and then and in fact the first few times we did skate for it was actually a fundraiser it was part of the the fundraising they were trying to do to build the skate park that they have there now which is nice and then those are fun yeah did you see some of the did you see like help over there I didn't see help uh I saw chief broom oh cool over yep. there yep. and i know they're playing again this year yeah and great. honestly dude i think i spent at least 
20 to 30 minutes every day just sitting at the skate park and watching either bands or just even watching people skate and i'll just watch that all day and uh, i'm excited to just go talk to some of the local skaters this year (laughs) it's a great skate park and you know we work with the boys skateboard association i I know people travel to come skate there you know it's it's just a good park which is cool it's a great amenity for town and it's fun to collaborate on the music side you know where we do like the live skating and live live music going going on it's cool. yeah and it seemed like that that little skate shop in downtown mm-hmm. was was kind of this hub for hanging out and um totally. the tattoo shop that's there yeah. is like i don't know all that all that is very rad man it's uh it's a very cool experience that you all have uh created out there and i feel super grateful to get to be a part of it and going out there again this year and appreciative of your uh your time of chatting it up with me and talking the festival can't uh, encourage people enough to to go check out this music festival in Boise, Idaho, Tree Fort Ten. Thanks, man. I appreciate your curiosity too. Yeah, it's awesome. And uh, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is "It's a program." So if we could get the the Eric Gilbert, "It's a program," we can properly sail this thing out. All right, it's a program. He nailed it, everybody. That's Eric Gilbert, Tree Fort 10, coming at you. And I want to play the episode out with this band called Sun June out of Austin, Texas. This is one of the things that caught my ear this last week. So uh, we're going to play it out with uh, one of their songs called Everything I Had off their Somewhere album. And all the links will be in the episode notes so you can keep up with Tree Fort sun june all of the things mentioned and that is the jelly jams and we will catch you on the flip side portland boise wherever you are listening from Big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their support of this thing. And make sure you go into the episode notes and find that Distro Kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership with Distro Kid, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. And the link is also in uh, the link in my Instagram bio on the link tree. So you can find it there as well. Big thanks to DistroKid. Stay up. Stay tuned.